The law will only point out your faults. It won't lift a finger to help you. The law will never encourage you. <laughs> the good news is Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf. He became what we were so we could become who he is. Today, we stand complete in him. We, you and I, are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The gospel is not a set of do's and don'ts. The language of the law is do. The language of grace is done. The language of the law is you shall not. The language of the cross is I will. Welcome to the Living by Grace podcast with Al Jennings. When you receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. Listen in as we discuss the effortless life of God's grace. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's show. In this week's episode, I'm going to share two lessons from my Bible study course called Foundation. This Bible study course serves as a strong foundation for understanding the gospel of grace. And guess what? I have an exciting announcement I want to share with y'all. From now until the end of October, I'm offering a special discount exclusively for my podcast listeners. That's you. So make sure that you stick around until the end of the episode to get all the details. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Jesus, the sacrifice for our sins, part one. Now, under the law, the blessings of God were based on obeying the commandments. The new covenant is all about Jesus obeying the commandments and dying on the cross on our behalf. Jesus was the only one who could keep the law perfectly. The law will only point out your faults. It won't lift a finger to help you. The law will never encourage you. <laughs> the good news is Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf. He became what we were so we could become who he is. Today, we stand complete in him. We, you and I, are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The gospel is not a set of do's and don'ts. The language of the law is do. The language of grace is done. The language of the law is you shall not. The language of the cross is I will. Let's look at how many times I is mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 8. I will establish. The writer of Hebrews is talking about this new covenant that we're living in today. I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I show no concern for them, declares the Lord. We saw one eye in verse 8. Verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds. Now, this couldn't be talking about the law because we've been delivered from the law and married to Jesus. He's given us a new covenant 
And he's telling us that here. So he can't be referring to the law of Moses when he's talking about the laws that he puts in our minds and the laws that are written on our hearts. Notice he uses laws, plural, not law, singular. I will put my laws. What kind of laws? Well, one of the laws written in your hearts is the law of love. Another law is the law of faith. So, um, and, and another law is the law of the spirit of life. See, these laws are written in our hearts. And the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. See, Jesus came to make us free. These laws are like the law of love is referred to as the law of liberty. And liberty has to do with freedom. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Let's look at verse 12. For I, there's I again, I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I, I forgot to highlight that word I, there's another I, I will remember their sins no more. Let's look at the purpose of the law. Galatians chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. The law was never intended to make us right with God. The law was given to bring us to the end of ourselves and to show us that we need a savior. The law's purpose was to point us to Jesus. The law was our guardian or our tutor, one translation says, our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Now that we have Christ, we are no longer under the tutor or guardianship, if that's such a word, <laughs> of the law. The law can't help you. The law is like a mirror. A mirror can show you your faults, but it can't fix it. Have you ever taken a mirror from the wall and tried to fix your hair with it? Of course not. And the law is like that. It can show you a pimple on your face, but it can't remove it. I wouldn't encourage you to take a piece of mirror and try to get a pimple <laughs> off of your face. And as I said before, the law will never encourage you. What it will do is show you where you fall short, but it will never help you. It will never lift one finger to help. The law could not give life. It brought death, Romans 7.10. The law could never make a person right with God. The law could not make people stop sinning. Rather, it made them want to sin more. And it's still that way today. When the law is preached, it actually causes more sinning. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says, the power of sin is the law. The law gives power to sin. The law also makes us guilty before God. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, 
the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. The law required animal sacrifices that were offered for the sins of the people. And these sacrifices were brought to the high priest year after year on behalf of the people to atone for their sins. They had to be brought continually because they could never take away sins. These animals were types of Jesus. One of the animals that was brought was a lamb. Jesus is referred to as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So these animals, including the lamb, were types of Jesus. Let's look at Hebrews 9:12. He entered once for all into the holy places, referring to Jesus. Watch this. Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Let's look at chapter 10 and verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus was the final sacrifice that ended the Old Testament law. When Jesus went to the cross, he said, it is finished. There are no more sacrifices after Jesus finished the work because Jesus final sacrifice brought perfect cleansing. Our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Our sins have been canceled once and for all through the sacrifice of Jesus. Notice that Hebrews 10:12 says Jesus offered one sacrifice for sins forever or sins for all time. Forever means our past, present, and future sins have been forgiven. That is the gospel. That is the good news. You know what? Sin should not even be on our radar because we have been set free from sin because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Romans 6.14 says, Sin shall not have dominion over us because we are not under the law, but under grace. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. In the new covenant, God gave us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has written God's laws on our hearts. The Holy Spirit is a living person who lives on the inside of us to be our helper. He wants us to have an intimate relationship with the Father. He wants to have an intimate relationship with us. We are to be led and instructed by the Holy Spirit, not the Ten Commandments. The Holy Spirit will teach us all things and guide us in every area of our life. Let's look at Romans 8, 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. One day when I was reading this verse, the words God did 
jumped out at me. God did what the law could not do, which is make us right with God or make us righteous. Now, there was nothing wrong with the law. However, there was something wrong with us. We were weak because of our flesh. We were unable to keep the law. The law put a Band-Aid on sin. It covered sin, but it didn't remove it. So God, in his mercy, demonstrated his own perfect love for us and sent Jesus in the likeness of our flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin. God condemned sin in Jesus' flesh. Sin, all of our sin, past, present, and future, was judged on the cross in the body of Jesus. Jesus took our place and became like we were to make us right with God. Because of Jesus, we are righteous right now. Okay, before I start the second lesson, I want you to listen to what one of my students had to say about the course. I have two things. Um, one, this this last week, I feel like you saved this the, the last week the best for last because it was really um, just very like on point and hard hitting and just um, very um, uh, just I guess uh, simply simplified, like simply explained and just in the way that you explained the word was really good. And um, I think when we started this course, you asked, um, what do we want to get out of it? I don't know if it was a video or what it was, but you asked we want to get out of it. And I said that I wanted to be able to, um, I joined because I wanted to be able to know how to explain um, certain things to other people because it's it's different when you, when you know, when you know the word, like. It's, I, I believe that knowing um, sometimes like knowing God's word is a gift because it's not, it doesn't come as easily to everybody, which is something that I've also learned because I didn't realize that. Um, but I can say that over this course of this five weeks, I have learned a lot about how to um, better explain or how to simplify the, the message of the gospel of grace if, if I were asked. Um, and so, um, any, and, and honestly, I don't think this course is just for believers. I believe it's for unbelievers as well, because, um, it's, it's, it, you know, so a lot of times it's like, Hey, become a Christian. And it's like, for what, you know, and I feel like this, this course explains the, for what, and, and, and in a way that, you know, um, Christianity hasn't in the past, you know, it's not it gives a better answer and it answers the hard questions. Like I told you, my favorite lesson was the, um, why do bad things happen? I'm like that, if nothing else, if you taught on that course, I believe a lot of people would join this church because I don't think I've ever heard anybody explain that that way, like ever. Mm -hmm. And I think I thought that was really amazing. Um, and then this last week, um, just all the courses, it, 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 it's funny. I don't know if you planned it that way, but they, it seemed like they all wrapped, they wrapped up the course, you know, I, mm -hmm. again, like, I don't, I don't know what order you did them in, but I, I feel like week five couldn't have been week two because week five so, so wrapped up the course and just like put a little bow on it. Like, Hey, this is, you know, this is the end of foundations. And it was really, really good. Um, very well taught. Um, very, even for somebody like who, who, who does know the word, still very well taught there's not anything no matter how much of a bible scholar you think you are that you cannot get out of this and like i and I, I think i said to, in answer to that like um nobody is above learning anything you can always learn something 
um, from the least to the greatest. And so I just think that this course was really, really good at um, at breaking it down, at making it simple, at making it easy to um, at making it easy to just receive. You know, like I feel like a lot of times when you when you know people want to preach the word of God or teach the word of God, it you know they they really are kind of like being boastful of their knowledge of it, not really bringing it down to the people's understanding of it. And I feel like um, this course did that. No matter what your level of understanding is in your faith or whatever, this broke it down for anyone to just to just simply understand it. And I thought, yeah, I thought it was really it good. And, and, like, um, and like everyone said, very well presented, very well presented, very easy to take in. Um, yeah. To follow along, to understand um, um, the, the short the short videos and the, the the questions at the end. I think everything was very well put together to where it wasn't like, you know, it to bother it wouldn't it wouldn't have bothered Norma because it wasn't like you know five questions to answer about the lesson. It was just like two little nuggets. What'd you get out of this? You know, kind of thing. I thought that was pretty. Mm-hmm. That was really good because and that that's another thing. Like it was, what did you get out of this? Like how do you understand this? It wasn't like oh, you know, you got to go learn this. And you didn't, you know, it wasn't any of that. It was just like, did you understand this? How did you learn this? You know, kind of thing. And I really, I, I like that. Jesus, the sacrifice for our sins, part two. Let's look at Hebrews 10.2. Otherwise, would they have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sin. In the Old Testament, when the people brought the lamb as a sacrifice for their sins, the priest had to examine it to make sure that it was perfect. Now notice this. The priest didn't examine the person. He didn't look at the person and say, well, let me make sure you are truly, really, really, really sorry for your sins. No, the priest didn't examine the person. He examined the lamb. Now, they had to continue bringing sacrifices under the Old Testament because the sacrifices were animals. Because Jesus, however, was a perfect sacrifice, he only had to offer himself once. His once and for all sacrifice made us perfect forever. The old system of sacrifices has stopped because We have been forgiven of all our sins, past, present, and future. As an act of identification, the person in the Old Testament bringing the sacrifice had to place his hands on the lamb. Now, that was symbolic of his sins being transferred to the animal. Now, listen carefully because this is a powerful truth. Once you get a revelation of it, you will be free from guilt and condemnation forever. Jesus is our lamb who took away the sins of the world. All of our sins were transferred to Jesus, and Jesus' righteousness was imparted to us. So when we sin, God doesn't examine us to see if we've really repented. He examines the sacrifice, and the sacrifice is Jesus. Now, you may say, We don't deserve righteousness. You're right. I have a question for you. Did Jesus deserve to be made sin? Absolutely not. The cross was an exchange. Our sin for Jesus' righteousness. 
Okay, back to the Old Testament. When the people brought the sacrifice, they would lay their hands on the sacrifice and symbolically all the sins of the person was transferred to the animal. And then symbolically all of the pureness of the animal was transferred to the person because that lamb had to be spotless that they brought. And the priest would examine that lamb to make sure that that lamb was perfect. You see how that's a type of Jesus? So what Jesus did, he took all of our sin. And in exchange, we receive all of his righteousness. So do we deserve righteousness? No. But in the exchange, Jesus didn't deserve to be made sin. But he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus got what he did not deserve so we could get what we did not deserve. Since the perfect lamb made one sacrifice for sins for all time, God does not look to judge us when we sin. He looks at the sacrifice who has already been judged. Oh, praise God. This is why God will never be angry with us or rebuke us. Let's look at that. Isaiah chapter 54, verses 9 and 10. This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Religion describes God as angry and intolerant, with a big stick in his hand, ready to clobber you when you do the least little thing wrong. God, listen, that's not a picture of God. God does not want you to be afraid of him. In fact, he swears that he will never be angry with you. Isn't that good news? His steadfast love will never depart from us, nor will he remove his covenant of peace from us. Let's look at some scriptures in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 32, 40, I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. Jeremiah 31, 3, met God out looking for them. God told them, I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. Now, does this sound like an angry God? Absolutely not. Our Father God will never, ever stop loving and being good to us. Now, the devil will try to make you feel guilty and unworthy and try to make you believe that you shouldn't ask God for anything because you're unworthy. Now, when the enemy tries to make you feel ashamed to approach God's throne, say aloud that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you confess your righteousness, you are agreeing with what God says about you. You are who God says you are, no matter what anybody else says or thinks. God does not want you 
to live with a sin consciousness. As you renew your mind to who you are in Christ and to your righteousness, you will develop a righteousness consciousness. Whenever you have thoughts of guilt or shame, remind yourself of your righteousness. So come boldly to God's throne and receive whatever you need or desire from him. Regardless of what you've done or what mistakes you've made, God does not look at you when you sin. He looks at the sacrifice and the sacrifice is perfect. We are identified with the sacrifice. So we are perfect as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Praise God. Jesus fulfilled the law on the cross. And when he said it is finished, he didn't say it has started. He said it is finished. What was finished? The old covenant law, the law of Moses. The law was fulfilled when Jesus died on the cross. So we no longer relate to God based on our performance. God relates to us by his grace. We don't have to perform to measure up to God's standards. God has already accepted us in Christ, in the beloved, who is Jesus. God loves us unconditionally, and he has given us his unmerited, unearned, and undeserved favor. God's love and acceptance of us is not based on our performance. Ephesians 2a says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You don't have to do anything to earn salvation. It is a free gift. We receive by faith what God has already provided by his grace. Let's talk about forgiveness. Let's say you owed Macy's department store $1,000. And I walked in and went to the accounting department and paid all your debt. Also, I told them to charge any future purchases for the rest of your life to my account. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you continue to make monthly payments after I paid your debt in full? Of course not. That would be foolish. Why? Because the debt has already been paid. It, it actually was an overpayment. Not only your current charges, past charges, but all your future charges that you'll ever make for as long as you live have already been paid. Wouldn't that be great news? <laughs> well, I have better news. That's what Jesus did about your sins. He offered one sacrifice for sins for all time. So why would you want to try to pay for something that has already been paid. Jesus finished work on the cross, paid for all your sins for all time, past, present, and future. So all you need to do is say, thank you, Jesus. Your sins have already been paid. It was an overpayment. All the sins for your entire life have already been taken care of, paid in full. That's what happened on the cross when Jesus said it is finished. So Rest assured that God is not punishing you for your sins today. He's not holding any of his blessings back from you because of something you've done wrong. You're not experiencing any bad things because God is punishing you for your sins. Don't misunderstand me. God doesn't like sin. 
and I'm not saying that you should go out and sin all you want because you're forgiven. But what I am saying is your sins are not making God angry with you. Now, here's how to tell whether you're living under the law or under grace. You are under the law when you try to relate to God based on your performance. You're under the law when you believe you have to do something to earn God's acceptance, or you believe that there's something you have to do for God to bless you. Do you feel like you have to earn God's love while well, you're living under the law? You're under grace when you relate to God by grace based on the finished work of Jesus. You believe, when you're under grace, you believe that you're already accepted because of Jesus. And you believe that there's nothing you can do to get God to love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do to get God to love you any less. Now, here's what living under grace looks like. I got this from Trisha Gunn in her book, I Am Free. Under grace, we have nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to gain. Why? Because we have it all. We are complete in Christ. We have nothing to lose. We have no one to convince. We have no one to impress because the only one who matters thinks we're pretty special. In addition, the following is true when we live under grace. We don't need followers because we are secure in him. We don't need man's approval. We are marked with joy and peace. We are free to serve and free to love. We don't need a position or a title. We are free to succeed because we are free to fail. And the biggest one is this. We are free to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for ourselves. God will show us the way out. He'll show us the way to live moment by moment, day by day. Under grace, all we do is let go and let God. Wow, that's good stuff. See you in the next lesson. All right, I hope you enjoyed today's episode from the Foundation Bible Course. This course consists of 43 bite-sized lessons that can be completed at your own pace. Foundation is specifically designed to provide you with a comprehensive understanding of the gospel of grace and the profound impact of the finished work of Jesus. As a special treat for my podcast audience, I am offering an exclusive discount for a limited time. Use the discount code LBG for Living by Grace. LBG. Use that code to snag this course for just $47. That's a whopping 75% off of the regular price of $197. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. For more information about the course, click the link in the show notes or visit aljennings.com foundation. Again, that's aljennings.com foundation. All right, everybody, that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in.
Thank you for joining us today for the Living by Grace podcast. You are greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved, totally righteous, and destined to win because of Jesus. Have an amazing day.